0: Hey, Hill. Hey, Jenny. How's it going? Oh, pretty good. How about you? Doing well. How's mm-hmm. the how's the home office in Cleveland going?
1: Oh, the home office is doing okay. It's getting a little bit of a makeover, which is nice. How about our uh, flagship there in, well, Virginia, except you're visiting Maryland.
0: I guess it's fine. No one's called. <laughs> it's burned down. So Good. That's good.
1: So we are super excited. We have a super old friend, not an old person, but a longtime friend with us today, um, Andy Green, who, gosh, Andy, I've known you forever. But you are currently a senior writer at Rolling Stone magazine doing a lot of YouTube work. So yeah. we are so excited that you um, would come on the pod with us.
2: Thanks. I am thrilled to be here. Thanks for having me.
1: We would totally ask tell you that we know what you had for breakfast, but we don't have assistants like Bono who does that and tells people what they had for breakfast. Yeah,
0: we don't we don't have his resources. It seems like lately he always knows what people have for dinner before the, before breakfast before they interview him. But we can figure out how to find that out aside from maybe asking Bono, and he's
1: not returning our call. Yeah. <laughs> he hasn't because we don't have his number. this this is true this is true um so Andy just since we're I mean we want to talk some Rolling Stone stuff too but um tell us your like U2 fan origin story
2: I it's kind of random and I knew about them from when I was a teenager I heard Mysterious Ways on the radio I'd heard one on the radio I remember the Batman Forever soundtrack and all my friends having that, but I confused them with REM. I was listening to a lot of bad music back then. I was listening you know, in like nineteen ninety four or whatever, I was buying like the like the Rod Stewart box set and the Eagles Hellfreeze is over, listening to like Steve Winwood records. I was just lost. I didn't know I didn't know I did, I just I didn't know what I was doing. Um <laughs>
1: We all I, find our way on yeah, our own terms, so it's okay. I
2: became a big Genesis fan. I still love Genesis. Uh, but what happened, I, I watched the VMAs every year. Uh, and, I, you know, I, well, I would always enjoy that. And, and the 97 VMAs.
1: Oh, yeah. Of course. I,
2: I saw them play Please. And I remember it vividly. I was in my basement with the big screen TV, and they panned U2, and Bono is wearing the hood. And they played please, and I was just captivated by it, Uh, really captivated. And I'm like, oh my god, like that's amazing. It was so much better than like the Puff Daddy and stuff that was that was played in that year. And I went out and I bought Pop, uh, and I really dug it. And I was really I I got a lot of CD bootlegs back then. I was always buying Genesis bootlegs. So, Mm -hmm. I went to the Bootleg Record Store down in, like, by Akron, Ohio, and I got a Pop Mart double, like, live album from the Pittsburgh show. It's like awful sound quality. It was like $50. I Uh, was
1: there.
2: (laughs) Wow. So, I bought that show on freaking CD. Uh, And that's where I learned the older songs off of that. Like, that's where I first really, I'm like, oh, this is the band that does With or Without You. Oh, I know that, you know. Uh, and then I just started to inhale the catalog and then that didn't take long because there weren't that many records. Yeah. So I quickly got every record and I just became obsessed. And, you know, by the time Greatest Hits came out in 98, I really knew the stuff cold. I was getting all the bootlegs. I was getting the books. Like that YouTube concert guide book was like Mm -hmm. my Bible for a short time period. Oh, yeah. Yep. Like like Prim Dela something. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Which
1: one you're talking about, yeah.
2: And so I like memorized that basically. And then so I was but I I'd never seen them. I was just chomping at the bit to go see them, but all you know, they didn't play in that in, in that time period. I never I was captivated by the concert they played in like Ireland ninety eight for the unification thing, that was a big deal. Mm-hmm uh i went the college freshman in 2000 and it was the build-up to the to the album was really exciting and then i remember when i first heard beautiful day and i got the record and to watch them come back was really exciting because to see the culture to, to, when they embraced them again and so when the tour started in miami it was around spring break when my girlfriend and i we bought tickets we, we went down to florida we sold we, so night.
1: Did you go? I was there too. I, I, I was
2: there. <laughs> it, was, it started me going to lots of opening nights for them, and it was like finally—I've been waiting for that moment for so many years. The show, you know, it blew me away. And then the night that
0: Bono fell off the stage. Uh,
2: yeah, that's... fell off
1: yeah. the catwalk. Yeah. Right. Yeah.
2: <laughs> I, I remember that well. And then I sent away through the fan club for a bunch of shows. I did four. It like in may or whatever of 2001 i went to kentucky and pittsburgh and columbus and cleveland then i went then i i went to i went to chicago and saw two shows there where they play out of control and eve and e, 11 o'clock tiktok uh and i was just fully in i was a super hardcore fan by that point
1: i cannot I, I, this is like the first time I've ever heard of someone learning the older songs from a bootleg. I know. Is <laughs> totally on brand with you, Andy. Yeah, I love through it was so like
2: much. an audience recording transferred to CD. It was the sound was just abysmal.
1: Yeah. So I remember. At least you me, got a CD though. When when I
0: started that, it was all on cassette.
1: Right. Yeah, all my boot. I still have a box of bootlegs on cassette. I remember actually seeing you in the queue for that Pittsburgh show for Elevation. Oh right. I remember seeing you there. Um, so our backstory, real quick, is that our listeners know that I used to work at the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in Cleveland, and you were in and out of there for years. Yeah. Um, working all different kinds of things, but I knew you from the curatorial department mostly.
2: Yeah, I did my senior project there in high school in. May of 2000, yeah, and I kept coming back on, on my on my vacations from college. All my summer breaks, I was working there, and I was in HR. I'd been accounting for a few weeks. I was all over, and then mostly at the end, it was just curatorial, where I got to know you and Jim Hankey and Howard and June and Craig and the whole gang down there.
1: Yeah, and I mean, did work with Amanda too. Yeah. Yes, Gardens Heart Amanda. Someone yeah. on Twitter today was like. Even though she's not rarely, rarely on here, they know people know. Did I just see Garden Turn and Amanda on the the preview to the Tigers baseball game? <laughs> and we're like, yes. Wow. Yes, she's almost famous. <laughs> what can we say? That's great. No,
0: I never worked at the Rock Hall in uh, 2000, 2001, 2, 3. No, I wasn't there in 2000. 1, two, three, and so on. I was there. I was like, I had... Good flight. Um, had a direct flight from Charlotte, and I uh, was there
1: like every Thursday, <laughs> <laughs> pretty much. Oh, wow. At some point, you like helped me with with the U2 opening, Hillary, and people like thought you worked there.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah. She helped me with.
0: We just had this conversation. My brother and I just had this conversation today about he really wants to go, and uh, and he was like, you know, can Amanda give us a tour or whatever? I and mean, I'm like, maybe maybe you know a fancy tour but i mean i can give you a tour i've been there enough time
1: <laughs> you're just there
0: just there just there
1: um so working at the rock hall and you mentioned jim hanky yeah that tell us how jim got you in rolling stone
2: yeah i owe so much to jim i can't even begin to calculate it uh I went to Kenyon College and was at the Rock Hall for most of my summer breaks. And um, college was ending. I didn't know what I wanted to do, really. I was thinking about law school or something. I just didn't have any idea what I wanted to do. Um, and I went to Jim and he's like, well, I can probably get you an internship at Rolling Stone. And I'm like, wow, that'd be amazing. I was thinking about moving to the city anyway, to like New York City. And my brother-in-law's friend worked at VH1, and he was going to get me a job as a production assistant on their shows there. So I was kind of torn between the two things, but Jim emailed Nathan Brackett at the high, who was at Rolling Stone then, and got me the interview for the internship. And I went in. I met Nathan and got in July of 2004. I started intern in August '04, and it's 18 years later, and I'm still 18 there.
1: 18 years.
2: I've been there 18 years. I uh, never left. I never left. I'm not an intern now, you know. I wasn't paid for the first like five months, but uh, it was all Jim Hankey, and I told him many, many times how grateful I was that he that he did that for me. It was life changing.
1: Well, Jim definitely got you in the door, but they wouldn't have kept you around if if you weren't what they needed at the magazine. So give yourself no. some credit there. <laughs> no, I,
2: I I do. But the hardest step of, of any career, anything is like zero to one to get in the door. Is right. so difficult sometimes when you don't know anybody there. So just getting that opportunity was huge for me. Yeah. And I, you know, I'm 40 years old now. I was, you know, like 22 when I started. So it's kind of crazy. Uh, but yeah, I just stuck around and didn't leave.
1: So at what point did and, and I do want to get back to talking about pop stuff, too, since you brought it up. But at yeah. what point did you start covering U2 stuff?
2: Early, um, I was determined to go to the San Diego like tour launch of the Vertigo tour. Mm hmm. Um, and I was still an intern then. So I told them. I told them, look, I'm flying out there. I'm happy to cover it, but I'm going no matter what. And they let me review it in the magazine. That was one of my first big articles, was a review of opening night in San Diego. So, yeah, I flew out there. I think I paid for the trip, if I remember, but they got me primo tickets for, for my friend and I. And that was the first time I got to work and see it all happen i remember i remember i i think also i was an intern when the ticket fiasco happened with the fan club stuff
0: yeah yeah
2: and i was i did an article on that which caused some strife because their camp was pretty pissed about that that we were covering <laughs> that i mean like but wow, this is forever ago uh but uh yeah so it it was all the way back to my intern days oh and one of the, the best days of my internship yeah they just came back to me when they when they announced the tour they played they played the concert in brooklyn bridge park
1: yeah yeah
2: yeah and i just i was just been there a couple months and they let me go to that and when we got in early because we were rolling stone so it was the first time in my life i've gone to a place where we cut the entire line and we walked to the front and i got to be right in front of the stage when the truck came down the brooklyn bridge and oh they were my playing God. on oh, it that's so cool and i'm just sitting there like you know, and then they they're on the truck, they got on the stage and just boom and I'm right there and I was like, This is the best job ever, you know, I get to be in front of this concert. Uh so I'm like, I'm never gonna leave and now <laughs> I'm still there. So yeah, I was but that tour I was really I was I was just all over it.
1: That's awesome. And now you get to like interview the band and all kinds of stuff.
2: Yeah, and then and then what happened. Jan Wenner was going to go do a cover story interview with Bono in 05 in Mexico. He was going down there and spend a whole day with them. And he didn't know a ton about their history. So he told me and Joe Levy, my boss then, to help write questions. Okay. So I sat down for a whole day and wrote out, you know, like 200 questions for Bono in different categories out in Dejan's office. We talked for a while about you two. It was the first time I talked to Jan at any length. Uh, I told him all about Bonnell's mom dying, the whole story. I walked him through everything, and he was so grateful for it that when they played the Garden a few months later, they did that Garden Residency in 05. He, he mm-hmm. had a party at his house for you two to celebrate it, and he he invited me to it. Uh, so I was
0: um,
1: wow. <laughs> that's so that funny. baby was
0: the night that that we got peace. That was
1: probably once the night we got peaced.
0: We waited and waited for the band to come out, and Bono comes out in, like, a work van, like a white work van, Uh and he drives by, and, like, and poor Amanda, because she hadn't met him and was very anxious to do so, and she's like, I got (laughs) peaced. Anyway, in my, I don't know, because there were many nights there, but in my imagination... Now it was that night. They were yeah. he was in a hurry because he was going to.
2: I think this was the night after it ended or something. So I go to Jan's house just and pretend. We'll just pretend. I got It was the same night. It was the same night.
0: Thank <laughs> you, Andy. Thank you. <laughs>
2: so this is gonna sound. This, I'm gonna sound all name dropping, braggy here. I'm really not trying to be. No, do it, please.
0: I, please. I never.
2: I have never before or since been to an event like this. So. I'm 20, like three years old, in a sport coat, like kind of terrified. I show up at this crazy big house that Jan you know, still lives in on, on 74th Street by that by the park. And I walk in, and like there's Ahmed Erdogan, there's Conan O'Brien, there's Caroline Kennedy, there's Woody Harrelson, and there's Michael Stipe, and then there's all three Beastie Boys, and then there's Robert De Niro, uh, and I'm just like. <laughs>
1: You know, i wish I mean, y'all could see his face right now it's yeah just, like, i just didn't, know, it I didn't, didn't, face know,
0: it.
2: didn't even know what to say i mean i found myself at a table for dinner with all three beastie boys and i'm just like hey guys you know i <laughs> it was so insane to me i couldn't even fathom what was happening and how weird it was this uh but people. bono edge and adam showed up of course larry like didn't want to go i'm sure he didn't show yeah uh,
0: because she was busy hanging out outside the venue now
2: yeah <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's just yeah, how yeah. things look in my head
2: so I was kind of terrified to talk to anybody I was talking to my coworkers most of the night you know uh, but I, I was determined to talk to one member of you two at one point so it was, I was almost over and I saw the edge by himself and I sort of just cornered him for a second, and I was like, you know, I was terrified, you know, I couldn't believe I was staying next to The Edge or to any of these people. And I go, hey, I'm Andy, I've really enjoyed the tour so far, thank you. And he goes, oh, it's nice to meet you, Andy. And I said to him, I started talking, I, I, I'm like, you know, Edge, like my two favorite songs with you two, you, you've never played live. <laughs> and he goes, what are those? And I go, Drowning Man and Acrobat, you know? <laughs> And yeah, he was like, "Oh yeah, I, I guess not." And I'm like, "Oh, I'm like, okay, you know, I didn't know it was like it, 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 this is probably about about 30 seconds, but in, in my mind it was like hours because I was so overwhelmed." And yeah, I didn't get to, to see to Dr. Bono or or to Adam or anything uh, that night, but it was a lot. And so that was the first time I ever met one of them.
1: And you immediately started with your acrobat campaign.
2: I started the immediately. acrobat campaign. Yes.
1: In 2005,
2: I started that campaign. It, it took 10 years to happen.
1: But it worked. You did it.
2: <laughs> it, it. It took many interviews. And I'm sure it wasn't me. It was just coincidence I kept asking about it. Take
1: it, Andy. No, take it. No, no,
2: yeah. it.
1: How things work in our
0: mind, too. You, It was all you. But we we have a campaign to bring back discotheque.
2: Oh, I would love that.
0: Yeah, and anyway, if you would like to join in on our campaign, we would love
2: Well, to I switched to the lady to the lady with the spinning head. I I've asked edge about that now like twice probably, but that's pretty unlikely, I would guess.
1: Well, if you could that's add some disco digs in there, we would we'd really I, I, I feel like it's not discotech isn't be, beyond the realm
0: of possibility. It's possible.
2: They played it in in like oh, 01, right?
0: Uh, they uh, they did, they had a, like a, it was almost like a reggae version or something of it. Right. Totally different. They did play it in 01. Yeah, but right. they did. Um, I don't care what version of it or anything. I just, we just need to hear, it's all year, it's all pop all oh, yeah. Year. We're not going to start up until we...
2: I'd be thrilled. I think some of my favorite live moments ever seeing them were the gone, where the versions of gone from 01 they they killed it on on, on, on that tour with yeah. Gone. The, and um,
0: on, in 01, their version of Please was amazing too.
2: Oh, I missed that because that was just post nine eleven, 11 right? It and was post nine they, they, 11 did they, the acoustic yeah. one and I just yeah, see, yeah of those shows. I was bummed, I was super bummed that I missed Please because I love that song so much. Yeah. I, I've never seen it live.
0: Oh, it was so good but I think that they said that, or did Bono say that it was Elvis Costello that told them, taught them how to play it the, like, the way they needed
1: to be playing it
0: live.
2: Right, right, right. That right, sounds yeah.
1: familiar, yeah. Yeah. So part um, of the reason we thought to bring you on here is because we are all pop all year and we have to No Pop is your favorite album. Yes um now i'm assuming it's, it's your it's album. interesting though and,
0: because obviously i think it it's for everyone your entry album is always your favorite
2: of course of course yeah. of course so a I different mean, emotional place in my heart yeah my yeah
0: my entry is joshua tree Jenny's octane baby, Octum
1: baby. Yeah. i mean i just don't know how you compete with the album that changed the entire trajectory of yeah that.
2: Yeah, <laughs> I, think, I think my brain knows that Octoon Baby is a better record, but my heart prefers pop.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, a- absolutely. Um, you yeah, know, yeah. I mean, but still, so like, uh, whatever, you say, you know, people ask me all the time, what's my favorite song? I don't think, like, my favorite song isn't their best song. There's a, you know, there's a totally... So, I mean, I'm a, actually, no, I'm not aware. I, I'm i fairly certain Joshua Tree is their best album, regardless of my... um of my entry level but but uh i don't know i just think it's
1: interesting that 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 you said that because it's you know it's just where you landed yeah do you have uh, a favorite song on pop
2: depends i love gone i love please i love mofo i love if you wear that velvet dress Makeup dead man it depends on my mood but probably gone
1: okay
0: it's yeah. fair the choice.
1: Yeah, we approve.
0: <laughs> what? So, um, do you have like a favorite concert or YouTube concert you went to?
2: Um,. I've been to I've been to so many and some special ones. I was at the Apollo Theater, like super close, and that was really special night.
0: You listened to that live, we were just in Virginia listening. So <laughs> oh, yeah. We were together. We were together drinking fireball at a campground yeah. in Virginia. But we but, heard it.
2: <laughs> I think Pittsburgh 01, I was in the heart, I was really close. And that just felt like a really special night to me.
1: It was a great night.
2: Yeah, that was incredible. Um,
1: We're you know, big I, fans of Pittsburgh shows. We've yeah. never seen a Pittsburgh Pittsburgh. show that was not and off the charts.
2: I went I to the opening night, the Joshua Tree tour in 2017 in Vancouver.
0: Vancouver. Me too. I was there too. Yeah,
2: and just watching them play Exit and watching them play Red Mining Town for the first time ever. Yeah. Watching in God's country with the video production, it was just I couldn't believe it was happening.
0: My uh, my two favorite bucket list songs forever have been um, Exit and A Sort of Homecoming. One oh, night. Yeah. Oh, a that, boat, Now that.
2: Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and that version of A Sort of Homecoming with the with the drum loop thing they did was awesome.
0: So, and I I say this all the time, but it was. it it was kind of, it was an amazing show, but it started off very unnerving because it just seems that Bono was so nervous. And I love that. Like that to me makes it just real, you know, like,
2: yeah, I think with the no video screens in the theater, the punk Floyd thing that they were trying. Yeah. I could see why it was nerve wracking and they changed it around a bit. They cut some of the songs they had bad in. I think they didn't quite know. I mean, just, to back up for one second i remember in 2016 their publicists like came to the office to talk to us a, about a bunch of projects that were happening with a bunch of bands and then casually she, she was like by the way so i just heard i just heard a about you two that next year they're doing a tour of the joshua tree and, and i was like wait what <laughs> so they're gonna play it straight through for the 30th i was like no, no, that's impossible. What? It just
1: slipped that in. It was like, just
2: as I, you slipped in. And so I knew it super early and I was just like, they're going to play Exit? I, mean, I just couldn't fathom it was going to happen. So I was really pumped for that tour. Um, and I made all these plans. I, I always do opening nights. So I, I made all these plans to go to Vancouver. I book everything. And then they're like, yeah. So the band doesn't want opening night to be reviewed because they they want to get all the kinks out. They want to have the first real night being America. It's such an American record. I'm like, oh shit. So I had to go see
0: to,
2: yeah. yeah, to do both of them, which which was fun, but it was it was just tricky. Yeah, yeah.
1: I I I wouldn't want opening night if I were them either. Right. It's pretty par for course. I yeah. mean,
0: Pop Mart. <laughs>
1: Oh, yeah
0: I mean we were both there, and that was uh it was super fun for
1: us, but I don't think it that any- was my that was my first show ever,
2: oh though, wow, yeah, one of the most Park. famous shows of they that they ever did yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. when you think and I barely
1: back, remember it, <laughs> but they
0: seem like they had fun too, but you know coming. As they were being reviewed, that was just a horrible idea.
2: Well and and they were under rehearsed, but you but you saw Do You Feel Love Live, which is pretty cool. They didn't do that all that many times.
0: No, they I think they I think I heard I think I heard it twice, so I heard it in We I'm not looking it up. The next show, which was uh, San Diego. Oh nice. Did you go to um did you go to Tulsa?
2: yeah i went to tulsa i i've been to every tour opener since oh one besides 360 because i just couldn't travel to helsinki wherever it started yeah it was oh, yeah. too much i i i was in chicago for the for the, the first us show but besides yeah. that i was in vancouver twice i was in tulsa tulsa was i thought
0: tulsa was amazing it oh, was so God. much fun and I'd never seen an Oak where they were that comfortable, but it also wasn't like a brand spanking new tour.
2: Right. Yeah. So they were familiar with the staging yeah. and everything. Yeah. That was a great show.
0: I loved it. I, I had I had the best time in Tulsa. It was just a really like free. Uh, I don't know. It just seemed like everybody was
1: having a good time.
2: Oh, yeah, for sure.
1: Quick side note. They played Do You Feel Love six times. They gave it six tries.
2: Nice. And you saw two of them?
1: I
0: saw two
2: of them. So that's one third of all the Do Feel Loves. That's pretty. Yeah,
1: clear. I saw one. <laughs> Hillary saw two. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. I
0: think so. What were, what were they played it until when?
1: They're all in a row. Well, so. they, the
0: next show I saw was with you in D.C. Anyway, so no, I
1: wouldn't know. Yeah. So yeah. Vegas, San Diego, Denver, Salt Lake City, um, Eugene, and Tempe. It's on Devil's Stadium. Yeah. They're all April 25th and May 9th. Just and then you saw
2: one of the only staring at the sons they did that wasn't acoustic, right? Because pretty quickly they switched it to the acoustic they version.
0: Did. They did. I think they still tried it um, without it being acoustic in San Diego. Uh-huh. But then after that, it was acoustic after which is really interesting because my brother was in 11th grade at the time and was taking guitar in school. He never picked it up. It Literally, he had like a semester of guitar and a friend of mine was at the show and recorded it on one of those little those little cassettes the little one like the- right the yeah yeah and um she like you know put it on a regular cassette and I came home and my brother listened to it and he was like no they should just do that acoustic yeah and by the next time I saw them play they played it acoustic and that was like oh, my God, like, why would my 11th grade brother, who knows nothing about guitar, have that insight when it didn't seem like they had that yet? Yeah.
2: You know, yeah. I i have always wondered if the first single was Staring at the Sun, not Discotheque, and if maybe the version was a little more focused on the album or something, a little more radio-ready, Yeah, things could have gone differently.
1: Yeah.
0: yeah. Oh, I want to just add, and this is, so, I mean, i don't I met you, too, but I've really never met anyone else, but I have met Caroline Kennedy and Michael Stipe.
2: Oh, wow. Nice. Pretty, yeah, very cool.
0: Yeah, I, I don't know. I just thought I'd chop that in there. I never have never met. The, I saw him in concert twice, the Beastie Boys, but I've never met anyone else in that room. But those two and I feel like that's something. That
2: yeah. Was, yeah, that's
1: yeah. very
0: cool. <laughs> very cool. What's okay, that, tell? Well, wait. Let me ask you this, Jenny. What do we have the same favorite concert?
1: Kind of think so. Um, mine bounces around for different reasons, but I think we did until you had a new one. Cause mine for a while was the that Pittsburgh. Um, that, what was the stadium show? Was that in? Was that 360?
0: That was an amazing,
1: amazing show. No, Stephanie.
0: My favorite concert is the most recent one
1: I attended oh yeah with you so that's our both of our favorite yeah okay let's say that pittsburgh one was like the most overall epic okay that was a vibe
0: that was a vibe i also had some weird feeling that was my last youtube show i don't know why i don't think i've ever said this aloud i just had some vibe that i was never going to see them again and that was so incorrect say that (laughs) this was this was you're just glad that eleven
1: years ago it's your favorite it was
0: 11 years, but at the time I was like crazy emotional, thinking, you know what? i I feel like I'm never gonna see them again. I and I've seen them. God, I can't I can't count. I don't know how many times since then, 10, 12, 13 times, something like that. And but I really did. It was it was Pittsburgh in 11. It was just okay. such a good heavy show and everything, and I'm like, yeah, this is I'm not gonna see them. Again. Like it just had this awful feeling.
1: But yes, our last show we saw them um, on E and I in Dublin, two nights in a row, and that last show was um, personally epic for us both. Cool. It was so. just
0: epic in general. Okay. Nice. <laughs> I mean. I can't, I don't know how to top that one, but I don't, we're not, I don't want it. It's just no, good the way you know, it is. No, you know,
1: um.
0: Okay, so the saying goes and you know, never meet your heroes. But is that for I mean, that can't be true for you. It's not true for us.
2: Yeah, no, it's not true. I mean, I've met them all besides Larry. I've interviewed them a lot. I've interviewed Edge and Adam a lot of times, but I don't meet them when i'm interviewing them because they are it's a weird public conversation yeah they're promoting something i'm doing my job so i guess once i went to the after party for the opening night in vancouver for the joshua tree and i was talking to edge at the bar for a few minutes so i guess that was social (laughs) but mostly i've been just interviewing them so but they're great. I mean, I could talk to them for a very long time. They're super cool. And I think Adam is my favorite to talk to. He's really chatty. He's really funny uh, and just loves to engage in conversation. You know, he can talk for a very long time. So they're very thoughtful people. They're hyper intelligent and they're great interviews. Bono's amazing, but even he'll say that you ask one question, he talks for like 10 minutes and it's hard to jump in. Yeah. So yeah. it's tough to interview him. You just sort of listen. <laughs> he has so much to say. Uh, but I've had a lot of good interviews with Adam and, and Edge and Bono. And yeah, I've never had one bad experience with U2 camp in all my years there. They're very nice to work with.
1: That's what we would hope for yeah. sure. Yeah. Do you have any um, non-U2 hero career highlights? Any hero highlights that are not U2 related?
2: Yeah, I mean, I love Bruce Springsteen and the Street Band. I've interviewed Bruce a few times. Uh, I love Neil Young, Crazy Horse. I've interviewed Neil a bunch of times. Uh, I don't know, I've been there so long. It's been a lot of people. You know, I've been on the classic rock beat for a very long time. You know, and a bunch of them are gone now. I mean, I I interview Tom Petty all the time. Oh. Uh, and I just interviewed him a few months with, uh, before he died. So, you know, that was crazy. Um, you know, Stones and all these people, you know, it's it's been crazy. It's been just my life for so long to just talk to all of my heroes. It's surreal I think about it, but it's just so commonplace now. I don't think much about it.
1: Yeah. I mean, on some level, I kind of got that way, you know, doing PR at the Rock Roll Hall of Fame. Sure. Like, what famous people have you met? And whether they're people that I necessarily know or fans of, whatever, whatever, they're still famous people. And I got to the point where I just couldn't even list them anymore, which I yeah. felt like, I'm like, that is awful of me. This is like people's dream. And I can't even. I should have kept a list. Yeah. Like,
2: uh, just anything becomes normal. What does get me sometimes i'm so used to to musicians it's hard to get me starstruck or anything but i love stephen king a real lot and i got to spend a, a lot of time with him for a feature eight years ago and that to me i was just like i can't of talking to stephen king you know
1: my husband uh, is a huge stephen king fan my I brother is fair that as
0: well
2: yeah nice yeah so that my, my, you know so people like him i can occasionally be really impressed but he was you now talking to like Ringo Starr or something. I was like, hey, Ringo, you know, you just don't even think about it. You know, he's a freaking Beatle. <laughs>
0: he's
2: a freaking Beatle. So beetle. When, Paul McC- when Paul McCartney came in the office and I looked up at my desk and and he we was there. Let just to end
0: this right now because I yeah. my ears are not <laughs> Sorry. My right. ears just, aren't processing this. You, you just said yeah,
1: Paul McCartney please. just walked in your office. Is that what you just said?
2: Yeah, he was in the office and I was you talking to him for a second. That. But... To be face-to-face with him and to hear the accent, I was, like, frozen for a second. And what I said, it made no sense. I just was, like, saying random words almost. He was like, like, what? Because I was so overwhelmed that I was talking to Paul McCartney. So he, there, 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 there's something about him that it's hard to talk to, I find. I, I found the, the one time that I talked to him.
0: Yeah. I can't can't imagine it's, what it's like to be him and everyone you talk to talks like...
2: Yeah, it was like just the random. most awkward, like, 30 seconds of my entire life. And he walked away, and I'm like, oh my god, like, that didn't go very well at all. <laughs> so, but I think he's used to that. He meets people, sure. and they don't know what to yeah. say, so just words come out that don't go together in any coherent way, yeah.
0: Like, I've always felt like with with Bono, he has some sort of way of, like... I don't know, like taking your soul and like calming you down and then handing it back to you. And yeah. like, so I've never felt like I've like, I don't know. I don't know that I felt like I just said weird random words or whatever, but I thought I was going to. And then somehow he like, calm. I feel like it, I can watch it happen around me. Like he right. somehow calms people down and then lets you have, you know, your, yourself back and then you know what to do.
2: Yeah, I think that vinyl is very soothing. He's very aware of the reaction he causes in people, and he's he tends to it in a very oh, soothing way.
1: Amazing. Yes. Yeah. Whew, that's a lot of that's a lot of responsibility right there. I still am hearing Paul McCartney walked into my office. Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I can't
0: I can't move on from that. Um. Okay. Can we're gonna let's completely move on. Let's completely move on. So um, tell tell us about The Office.
2: Oh, OK. <laughs> you weren't um,
1: expecting that one. Yeah.
2: That was great. I mean, it. it was a random thing. I'd always wanted to do a book, but every music book I figured has been done. I would love to do a book a, about Neil Young, but Shaky exists, and it's amazing. I can't top that. I'd love to do a, like, a Bob Dylan book, but Clinton Halen has written 20 of them. I wouldn't know where to go.
1: I feel Uh, like I should step in here real quick that we're not talking about the Rolling Stone office. We're talking about the uh, show. Oh, yeah, yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. The show, the
0: office. Yeah. But that is a really good question. Is there any similarities between the offices at Rolling Stone and (laughs) the the office?
2: office? (laughs) I feel like that's a good interview interview question. Uh, So to make a long story short, what happened, I was home for Thanksgiving a few years ago, was bored. I put on Netflix, watched the dinner party episode with my parents, because that's a favorite of mine. And it was just so damn funny. And I Googled it, saw that the 10-year anniversary was a few months away. I'm like, huh, it'd be fun to do just an oral history of the dinner party. So I go pitch it at at the office, at, at my office. (laughs) <laughs> uh, and they go, great, do it. And so I put out the interview request. I interviewed John Krasinski and Jenna Fisher and Ed Helms. I, I found all the, all the minor characters. I sort of got obsessed with it. I had like 20 interviews for it. Uh, and in the middle of the process, I was approached by a book agent who wanted to uh, to talk to me about some book ideas. And he was pitching a book about Tom Petty or something. And and I, and I go, that could be good. but I'm in the middle of reporting a big oral history of The Office Dinner Party episode, and, and there's no office book. So I want to do just a oral history of The Office. And I, I have a good start now. I, I spoke to the entire cast, and he was like, that's a great idea. And before I knew it, he had us meet with every, like, with every publishing house in the city. We must have done 15 like, separate meetings with people. Uh, and there was, like, a bidding war. It was all so quick, and before I know it, I had 12 months to report the entire history of the office while doing my job full-time, Oh my god! Uh, so it was a, a very stressful year, and I couldn't get everybody to, to, like, talk to me. There's all this politics of the office staff I knew nothing about that I was wading into, <laughs> uh, so it was kind of a nightmare times, but When it was all said and done, I did almost 90 interviews. I got so obsessed with it by the end. I was interviewing the caterers on set and the boom mic operators and the Scranton Chamber of Commerce representatives. I just sort of kept going like a maniac, doing more and more interviews. And I formed it together into a book. It came out. It was so funny. It came out March 24th of of 2020. So for so many – so for like – a year and a half, I was waiting for March of 2020 to come, and there was, so that month was looming so large in my mind. And we had a book, a book release party at the Strand, all these events across the country, and all this stuff planned. And then March comes of 2020, Aww. and everything's canceled. And I'm like, oh my god, I can't promote a book with I can't even leave my apartment. Uh, but they pivoted. I did a whole day of interviews on my phone, all on radio stations all over the country, and it was a New York Times bestseller, which was really surprising.
1: Oh, congrats! It's amazing.
2: Yeah, thanks. So it sort of was That's a big really cool. career change. It's it's strange. It's strange that it's a non music book. Cause I'm a music guy, but it was just it just sort of happened.
1: That's awesome. So what's it called? Tell us what it's called so people can look for it.
2: Uh, it's called The Office colon an oral history,
1: okay. The simple title,
2: yeah. Or this, I I think that, that there's even a second colon. It's like the untold story of the greatest sitcom of the, of the 2000s or something.
1: Okay, that sounds familiar.
2: Yeah.
1: yeah. Awesome. Go buy it, y'all. <laughs> my, uh, my my dad
0: is uh, always trying to find like shows that I'll watch with him. Uh huh. Oh, like it's always he's all. Usually it's documentaries and stuff, but he found this documentary on CNN called The History of the Sitcom. Oh, yeah. And (laughs) I believe you were on that.
2: I was on that, yeah.
0: Was there another show that you discussed in addition?
2: A ton of them. It was a weird day. There
0: was one really specific one that...
2: I talked about Roseanne, I talked about i talked about like 10 different shows on that at least hogan's bit, heroes? i was talking about hogan's heroes and f troop it was a five-hour interview
0: oh my I, god
1: I, oh wow i sat in
2: this room for five hours mike talking to a guy on an ipad with the whole crew there and they just throw out shows and i would just start riffing on them it was really weird but it was fun
0: but my uh my dad loves hogan's heroes and he's even though he's seen them like Every episode, a million times, he still DVRs it. And uh, we have—I've had weird family circumstances lately, and my two little cousins, I are in my charge a lot. And we'll go, uh, like, we'll go to my parents' house, and he's watching Hogan's Heroes, and I'm like, "This is a ten-year-old and an eight-year-old. You cannot explain this to them."
2: It's—it's it's a sitcom like, to... about a Nazi prison camp and it was on a major network It's
0: the most ridiculous <laughs> thing. Well, it was on the it was on the, I believe it was on the episode about wasn't it workplace comedy
2: it was cuz that my, was their workplace was the Nazi prison camp
0: well, <laughs> the, well the nazis were at work
2: yeah but yeah, yeah they were i guess that the prisoners were not at work they right were...
0: my and my but my dad was like it would have been nice if they took a few a few more days off work yeah. um, <laughs> but i'm like i like my these little kids walk in the house and i'm like i say to my dad like you can't explain this like yeah. how are you going to explain this to these small children these small jewish children that are just learning about nazis and that you're watching them with a laugh track like you can't <laughs> get just get it away Super but anyway weird, yeah that was the, uh, I love The Office. I hate Hogan's Heroes. It's one of the, yeah. it's like the bane of my existence, but I just, I I got, that just cracked me up.
1: Yeah. <laughs> and Hillary texted us, oh my God. I
0: think that's Annie talking, about, talking about Hogan's Heroes. he <laughs> started this like enormous debate with my dad for the, for, you know, the bazillionth time. It's still, it's not, I'm like, just stop watching. Yeah. it's not it, no it's, it's not it's, good for anyone it's to watch it anymore not okay
2: yeah yeah no, no definitely not
0: no but like how do you explain it to small children you, you can't know, there's cannot. no
1: explaining that away no I'm like
0: turn the television off just i mean maybe you can maybe a little bit think you could explain mass but not really even that much yeah but anyway, <laughs> put jeopardy on they'll be okay with that
1: oh yeah Anyway, okay, moving on. I, I was going to say a hypothetical question, but it might, I don't know, your line of work, it might actually not be. Sure, sure. If you had to buy a present for AU2. Who would you choose, and what would you buy? You mean for
2: one member of the, of the
1: band? Yes, yes. A. That, that that That's how we refer to them, AU2. AU2. A- a- yeah. I mean, we don't it.
0: want to put names in your head, so you can –
2: um it's hard to think what to buy people that are worth like a hundred million dollars each that could have anything that can build a house in malibu on like a mountain yeah (laughs) yeah um the the
0: origin of this question is because we had people interview us last week and they had all these questions like this that we were like Huh, that's I, super, like, we need to have questions like that be more creative. I,
1: Blame them.
2: We did an interview with Edge a while ago about his favorite songs of any one genre, and he was really, got into, like, post-punk stuff that he loved, like Wire and Echo and the Bunny Man, and all his favorite groups from then. So maybe I get Edge, like, a limited edition, like, Echo and the Bunny Man vinyl album or something. I think okay. he would take that.
1: Good answer. I like that. I like that. Thank you. Good thinking on your feet. Really good answer.
0: Yeah. Thank you. I would get Bono um, a gift card for <laughs> Men's Warehouse to get a properly tailored suit. <laughs> you can cut that out, Jenny. I'll <laughs> take that out. But maybe not. <laughs> no. Why does he wear such ill-fitting Clothing. Are you he has for that? all
1: the time, when it wasn't, if it was not skin tight, it's ill fitting. So
0: right. apparently, it's
1: what he likes.
0: Yeah. That was just for my own entertainment, actually.
1: Kind of an ongoing. Yeah.
0: I mean, I think that would be a. I think that would be just men's warehouse. Yeah.
1: Yeah. You know, they're worldwide. I'm sure they're worldwide. You can just
0: yeah, buy one, get one free suit. We love him,
1: regardless of his. Mm-hmm. Entire. Yeah. Did you have your mom at a show recently, and we're backstage with her?
2: Yeah, yeah. I took her to the Cleveland Joshua Tree show. We went there. We, <laughs> we, were we there. went to during Mumford and Sons opened up, right? Or the Lumineers.
1: Lumineers. Lumineers. Yeah, Lumineers. It
2: was during Lumineers, we were in some lounge. No, they put in, it in
1: Cleveland. Um. Oh, it was not. It wasn't um, One it was, Republic one
2: republic okay yeah I, I didn't even watch it I, I was in the lounge and then their publicist said do you want to come see the band and say hello um so I, okay uh-huh. yeah so i brought my mom we're in uh some room in walks edge and adam and we talked to them for like 10 minutes about my mom's favorite music and everything we took a picture then bono came in but it was almost showtime, so we had like two minutes, so we just snapped a quick picture. I never asked for myself. I don't like asking for pictures. I feel awkward like doing that. It, it doesn't feel like a journalist, but with my mom there, it felt okay.
1: That's fair, yeah. Uh,
2: so I did that, yeah.
1: Oh, fun. It must have been so much fun having your mom there.
2: Yeah, I have a, a funny story that that sort of ties into that. Uh, when they played the garden in... 2015 uh I was backstage you know I was at the side stage thing the pre-show thing that they bring like the press to or very like VIPs and a guy came out and was like Bono wants to say hello and I said okay so he pulls me round backstage and everything and I'm outside of some room and security is like is like he needs a few minutes he's in there with Bill and Hillary Clinton. So I'm outside. we were at that show? Yeah. So at that show, yeah. outside by security, and it was almost showtime, and I was getting anxious. I didn't know where I was, and I can't miss the first song. I'm right. obsessed with, I have to be in my seat when the show starts. Like I can't be going through the dark to find my seat and missing the first song. So I eventually said, I, 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 I was like, guys, I'm at interviewing Bono. He's busy. I'm sure Bill is talking a lot right now. You know, I, I'm just going to go. I don't need to see him. It's fine. Just tell him like, I couldn't make it. And they were like, he wants to see you. And I'm like, yeah, but I have to figure out, how, I have to get to my seat somehow. And I'm going to miss this big song. And they were like, the show can't start until he goes on. <laughs> Like walk with him to the stage if you want to. I- I'm like, but if I do that, then then the lights go out. I'm God knows where. I'm on the side of the stage. I want to get to my seat. i am like look, I-, I have to go. <laughs> so uh, I left. I was so nervous about missing my seat. And then I I have it right here because my-, my mom framed it. Um I I got this in the mail a couple days later from Bono. <laughs> what does
1: it say, Andy? We missed each other in NYC. Yeah. Which is a shame, as you have been very present in YouTubes life. Aww. And
2: then on the back, he drew, like, a picture of himself.
1: Oh, my oh, God. Oh, that's fabulous.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Sweet really love right there. <laughs> that's really awesome. I, um, from not as cool of a story by any means, <laughs> but I, uh, Our former governor, Virginia's former governor Terry McAuliffe, had. He was at that show. I'm sure he was with the Clintons that night, but Uh (laughs) I know. I'm sure he was in there with. Anyway, he um had to. He had this press release saying that he when he flew there and everything that he took the the state plane, but he paid for the crew and the gas and everything out of his own money because our prior governor had misused funds and so i everyone in the world sends me this and i'm like oh my god i went from virginia to new york it was kind of like a cr- you know crazy like i had to get up at the book crack of dawn and then jenny I was waiting for me and everything and it was frustrating and i'm like i could have just gone to richmond and gotten on his flight and yeah. i <laughs> paid him you know whatever i paid to american airlines <laughs> right so a few a few months later I get invited to go to a Hanukkah party at the governor's house oh, and wow. I'm like oh I'm wait this is it like I've been waiting to tell this story you know forever like god damn it I could have you could have taken I mean I didn't know him this was the first time I've met him but I know people in his realm and um anyway so I get to meet him and, and I'm like You know, Governor, I think we went to a U2 show together in New York. And he was like, with the Clintons? And I'm like, honest to God, my response was, no, I went with Jenny. (laughs) (laughs) I was not with the Clintons, um, but I went with Jenny. And he said it was, you know, the best show he'd ever seen and blah, blah, blah. And I'm just like, yeah, that's okay. (laughs) And then I saw him again. He just ran for re-election and lost. And right. so a couple, whatever, in November and uh, October. And I'm like, you know what? He is, he doesn't know this. He doesn't remember me. He doesn't, he's not going to know this story. And so I'm going to try it again. And he said, oh, that, that show was just okay. Like, I mean, like, I think we, you know, I said, I think we went to a U2 show together. And he was like, that show is just okay. And I'm like, this is this doesn't this isn't normal. This isn't like the way the conversation should go. And he was like, "Yeah, just like you know, just a little while ago in D.C." And I'm like, "We're talking about a different concert. Apparently, the Clintons were at that concert as well." But like, I started thinking, "Oh my God, did he go to a U2 concert in D.C. and just a few months ago?" And no one, like, how did I not know this? But his timing was off. It was E and
1: I, and I was there too. Yeah. He wow. ruined the story. Yeah.
0: Like, totally works. screwed up the story because I wanted to get, I was waiting again for him to say, you know, with the Clintons. And I was going to be like, no, no, with Jenny. No. But my mom was sitting there like dying when I said, because I said, this is how the, I'm going to say this exactly. And he said, with the
1: Clintons. No, no with uh. Jenny. Anyway,
0: uh. so I like to add to, now I'm adding to the story that, he, you know, screwed up you meeting, Bonner that night as well because you didn't want to miss. And I'm sure that, I'm sure that the governor had quite a bit to say too. And, and I'm I just, sure. <laughs> no,
2: I yeah. have I have one more letter here I just found. In oh
1: please. Drawer. Oh yeah, let's see.
2: When I went to Nassau Coliseum in 2018, uh, like someone came in my seat and just handed me a envelope. Uh, you can see it here.
1: Okay, it said um this this is this is really important translation translationing Andy, translation here
0: see Andy's what you started
1: said. You are making us better just by being here. See you for a pint soon. Oh did it say what does it say? Uh, oh you got uh, a McFista oh drawing. God. And
2: when he said see what you started, he was talking about an acrobat.
1: Yeah. <laughs>
2: So it's, yeah. sort of, it's sort of the proof here that it was my endless badgering over a decade that and got my the acrobat. God, it's so Yeah. And then
1: like the so drawing.
2: Yeah, What does it say on the
1: back? Does it say A it started, from? I think it started
2: B? to write I Acro- I I can't even read it, but I think
1: so. M- it says A
2: from B. It says B. A from B, yeah. Yeah. C take
1: acrobat. That is the coolest C. thing ever.
2: Yeah, it's it's pretty cool.
1: <laughs> what does it say after after a pint soon? What does it say right before his name? I hope. I hope. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. Well, if you ever are invited for that pint and, you know, you feel a little nervous and might need like a wingman or something or, you know, it's a little true. buffer, I I could be on a plane in a second. I
2: will happily bring you both.
1: Yes.
0: Thank you. Thank yeah. you. <laughs> yeah. So if you, okay, here's our, this is our question that we ask everyone and, and ourselves constantly, but. What would you ask Bono if you had to share cake and whiskey and or a pint with him? If you had to sit down right now and
1: have cake and whiskey? not a work interview question. You don't
0: have to have... Yeah. Just sitting down, having cake and, and a beverage of your choosing.
2: What would I ask him? Um, hmm. I'd ask him, why can't you do another album with Eno and Lainois? And... I mean, I, I don't know. There's, I mean, I've asked him, I thought i my, uh, my actual questions. I, I just press him, I want to ask about the new record, why it's taking so long, and as gently as I can say, do you think it's possible that you overthink these records these days? Maybe <laughs> if there weren't so many producers, maybe if you just sort of stop trying to get another Vertigo or Elevation as the single. Like Maybe if you were more like Depeche Mode and just kind of realized I have this huge fan base, we can make records for these fans and realize a hit is never happening again, then go out and play to these fans, cater to them. Life would be easier yeah. if you weren't trying to... Make Beautiful Day Happen Again, Falling Short and Pleasing Nobody, as much as I love, all, I love all their records. I love Songs of Experience. I have no problem with any of love, it, but yeah, yeah it's great. But,
1: well, Songs of Experience is one of my favorite albums. Yeah, so. it's
2: great. it's great I, I'm not playing to
1: their fan base for me right there. Yeah, yeah, of
2: course, of course, of course. I just think that Bono is they spend so long on these records because they're trying to be all things to all people sometimes, and I think that's may be misguided
1: the word is relevant they're trying to remain relevant right which is amazing which um we don't like it 20 years ago
0: though like seriously like 20 years ago that the thing is that when you're when you're so concerned about being relevant that's when you start to become irrelevant and yeah you gotta gotta go with it
2: yeah that they don't need danger mouse or red one or ryan tedder and these people Mm -mm. that
0: i do really like the that that um, what was that song? It was Summer of Love, but it was Ryan Tedder's version of it.
1: Oh, his was called West Coast. West Coast.
0: I love that yeah. song, actually. Yeah. A lot. It's great. Yeah, but no, they don't need it. You're right. They they just so I my theory um, which I'm kind of proud about, and then I read someone else say it today, actually, which. Made me sad because I think I thought I came up with it first, but I definitely didn't read it first. But I mean, the they keep talking about songs of surrender, and my assumption is that's the companion for the book, not a freestanding album. Like they keep talking about how they're gonna, you know, redo old songs and stuff. And
2: that, yeah,
1: my and theory my book has the same title. I mean, yeah, surrender. I th- surrender. Yeah, I think surrender.
2: I wish I knew what they were working on now. It's it's it feels as if they would never been more secretive than they are right now. Yeah. I don't have well, not well, I mean, with I that. Think
0: I think it has. I really do. Like I feel very strongly about this. That what they're they're working on the the book companion.
2: A, a book is about the past, though. Like when Bruce did his book, the companion album was unreleased old songs that tied into various themes of the that book is- and everything.
0: Well, so, I mean, I don't, they're not, I don't think, I mean, maybe they're doing, you know, stuff that hasn't been released too, but, but I think they're just redoing old songs. Okay. That, that are, that it's a companion to the book. So like when he has a chapter about out of control, they're reworking out of control. Edge and Adam have said that forever, that they're working on like remaking They're Okay. like learning songs, old songs again.
2: That would be cool. I think what. What occasionally, bums me out is songs of experience and songs of innocence. are great, but they're both kind of looking back on their story. And the Gacha tree tour was looking back on that, and the book we looking back on their life.
0: Right, it's we a need lot to move of forward.
2: Yeah, I've heard a lot about their past, and it's a, it's a great story. But I would like forward movement. You know, I would be more psyched about new songs than remaking old songs.
1: I, I would like to say that I think songs of experience, especially when it got moved. To like push back it became an album of the present
2: sure of course no i i i I, totally hear that i i I love
1: love
0: it it. but i feel like but you you know what it's even so it's still a lot of it is still like like old experience it's not necessarily all like new stories but but regardless I love it I absolutely love it but again I do I do want to see what they do next I don't I would rather hear new I mean I'm excited to hear what they a new take on old songs but like for a band that was so against you know playing their old catalog for so long yeah you're right about that they haven't they haven't moved forward, like completely forward, in in a while. I mean, like they, the I'd seen them twenty times or something before I'd heard Sunny Bloody Sunday once. Right.
1: Yeah. Not twenty. Uh, cl- close to twenty times. It's interesting. I think that they would argue against all of that. That they that Joshua Tree was not revisiting the past. That it was only because right. it was relevant for the future. It was, it, it, it makes I mean, sense. I mean, I absolutely hear your point. What, right. Yeah. It kind of goes both ways. Um, what was I going to say? But I just I feel like with your point with the book and the album, Hillary, that even if they aren't quote unquote companions, it's still like with the same surrender name. That's some pretty good marketing right there. Like Oh, I think
0: it was a huge like light bulb that went. I mean, I still am like really but I did read something that someone wrote a few, actually, I think it was written on the date they announced the book. That they, mm-hmm. it was someone else's theory about the time, but I hadn't read that until today, and I was like bummed that someone else thought of that before.
2: Yeah, I think if I was advising them, if I could like run the YouTube world, I'd be like, do a great album that you believe in, possibly with Eno, and Law, or just one of them, and put it out. And then go out and play a bunch of unannounced like club shows. Play New York at Bowery Ballroom, play L. A. somewhere, play London. Do like maybe even a month of pop-up shows that get a lot of enthusiasm going, a lot of excitement. You they could like reboot that way almost, and then build up to the arena tour and even the stadiums. I think there's so much that they could do that would get people really psyched again.
1: Yeah.
0: So that makes me nervous because I don't. I want to know what's coming. You know, no
2: sure. I I don't I live do. anywhere
0: near where they would have a pop-up show. So like I would have to travel for this. So I, I need notice. But I, I I get that. I don't I, disagree. I, I don't disagree with you. I think that would be a great thing. It just makes me feel sad for me because Okay. Well, the what the world, are the odds of this, me being in one of those cities? Right.
2: But this is like fan fiction, so I don't, need you know, anything about it, but yeah.
1: You're right. And I feel like we live in fan fiction, Jenny. But sometimes the fan fiction comes true. It does. It does. Which is, I bet that that's the, I don't know, Bono's always listening.
0: I know, and like we had this conversation in our last ep too, that you're, I'm I'm just loving the term fan fiction right now, because I really do think (laughs) our whole life, our whole lives is fan fiction. Like, that's what we do. Like, I'm I made a set list. I made a set list in Tulsa because I didn't think that the, that I stayed up all night the night after the show or the night of the show. Like I'm like so it, I love that show, but it just the set list didn't work for me. So I seriously, like stayed up all night and made a new set list. And a couple months later, when they were in Europe, it was my exact set list. Like what are the odd? I mean, literally yeah. every single song I I in order of what and
1: i'm like is bono like is he listening like yeah, that's amazing. in your brain so if if you're listening and you are YouTube or you know you two <laughs> you can tell them andy's idea <laughs> <laughs>
0: so i feel like yeah if i i really think that yeah if you're listening you are also if you are you U2 or no you U2 and you're really trying to get on a podcast and people are just telling you no right and left we will be happy to help you out we would be happy to help you if no one else will <laughs> if you are you U2 or no you U2, cuz we're just that nice
1: we but are going to open forum here this, this is our new uh,
0: this is our new advertising campaign if no one else will have you
1: it's not, podcast. please come on our podcast. It's, we'd be happy to help you since you can't <laughs> be on a podcast. <laughs> oh, goodness gracious. Would well, you have anything else, Hill? Um, I don't
0: think I do, but do you, for our pop file, do you have anything, is there something else we can add to the pop file? Can you think of anything, Jenny?
1: I don't know. Any any final words you want to say about pop, Andy? I do. Oh, okay. okay. I think
2: when, I've asked the band about pop a few times, and in their minds, it's demos, it's unfinished, it's flawed, we didn't have time, the remixes are better, it got better on stage, that album is almost like an incomplete thing. I think they're wrong. I think the way it stands is oddly perfect, and almost the mm-hmm. imperfections that make it shine more in a way. It says a rawness to it that i i really appreciate and i think it's a shame they can never hear it for how great it is all they hear is the stress and the pressure they felt while trying to finish it but it's a bummer they don't see the beauty of what they created themselves
1: oh that's perfect oddly perfect i love that absolutely perfect yeah. i hadn't thought about how they they probably can't take themselves out of that process when they listen to the songs they can't
2: yeah
0: well, I can
1: understand that I mean Yeah Hopefully one day they will
2: Yeah that yeah. they were like Remixing the songs On tour They were frantically trying To, to fix it But Yeah it, it didn't need fixing
0: No Yeah no it didn't I feel like um, I feel like they They should listen to our ups on On uh-huh. pop And maybe they'll have a change of heart because it had a solid direction it just i don't know that we even figured that out for a long time
1: yeah no it took us 25 years to it took figure us it out
0: twenty five years to <laughs> yeah. and me sitting in a <laughs> in your lounge in your lounge chair in the dark with three cats on my lap and a dog but my my theory is that pop is a night is is what like what my night out was in the 90s in okay. the late 90s it starts off with you know getting into the club and it ends with like you know the night the hung o being hung over and, and every song is like in order of how your Perfect. night goes i mean to like yeah i better sober up before i go you know before i drive home or whatever and i gotta find a waffle house or <laughs> that's playboy mansion i think wasn't it
1: i think so yeah i don't you know but I, out I, perfectly
0: yeah it works out but i really feel like like i i agree i don't think they know what what a gem that they had there i, I don't, I don't think I, I mean we i didn't know i love that album but until we really started like digging it, it i don't think i had any understanding of how amazing that album is
1: yeah yeah Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Andy. Right, thank was you so guys. Much fun. It was fun. Yeah. It was so great. If you ever need any like, I don't know, you podcast experts, you know, on your printed pages of Rolling Stone or, uh, done. You know, we're we're just we're just a yeah Facebook message chat away. Yeah, if
0: thank if you. your if your pint comes with a plus one plus one um and guest plus and guest <laughs>
2: I will bring both of you, I promise.
0: Thank you. And if, yeah. we, and if, we, have, if we have whiskey and cake with Bono, we'll.
2: You please invite bring me. It works both ways. We have seen Of you. course, of course. Awesome.
1: Okay. Well, thank you. Have a good night.
2: All right, yeah. Thank you guys. Night, bye, Wendy. guys.
1: Okay, we'll talk yeah. soon. Bye. Okay, bye. bye.